Hey guys, just real quick, wanted to let you know we've got a sound issue this episode. It clears itself up in the middle and then comes back at the end. You can still hear the content and we think it's a great episode. Hope you enjoy it. Guide to Conquering the Corporate World, Keongering. Keongs. Keongs. Two sisters were armed with facts and statistics, y'all, and we're destigmatizing the plight of the working woman and also non barony peeps as well, and anyone who's been marginalized within the experience of the corporate environment. Pew, pew, pew. Or just life in general. Yeah, I mean, it's all just a shit show at this point. No. Starting off on an upbeat note. Here we go. What would you like to talk about this week, Jenny? Well, in the United States, we are having, there's kind of like a funky purgatory. Purgatons. Oh my God. I'm recovering from COVID, which was extremely brutal, and my brain is still foggy. So I'm going to say purgatory a lot today. And other variants, kind of like Omicron. So there's this funky purgatory that parents whose kids are under five in the United States are in. I think I sent you statistically, Sub, from. This year to last February, there are 110,000 less childcare workers. Mm, um, and yeah. that's just only on what's reported. And so I am kind of in a childcare desert at this point. There's nowhere to put my two year old. And my plan had always kind of been to, when he turned two, put him in some, some kind of like part day or a full day and go back to work full time, like at this juncture when he turned two in January. And there are, there's no availability for most of them until at least the fall of 2022. But for a lot of them, they, I'm, I'm still going to be at that fall mark. I'm still going to be like way back on the list. And um, that wasn't the case when we moved here. I know that just looking at some statistics and stuff from the UK, we're having a similar issue. I mean, like anecdotally, my boss today said that his child, he's a three-year-old, his child's nursery has been completely shut because one of the teachers got COVID and the other mm-hmm. three somehow are not vaccinated, which is so strange to me because in childcare settings, they are supposed to be vaccinated, but somehow three of them um, mm-hmm. are not fully up to date with their vaccines. And I don't know if that's because they're skeptical well, or it's definitely not through lack of access to them because you can get, you can get, you mm-hmm. can get a vaccination or a booster. You can get those pretty much like same day, next day. It's so I don't know, but, but also there's really high numbers of, of um, carers in childcare anyway. The turnover is mm-hmm. really, really high because it's a yeah. poor, poorly paid, high stress job. It yeah, is it's a hard job. Oh my God. Yeah. And I mean, even with COVID out of the mix, you're always sick being around kids. Of course. Kids are gross. Super gross and they catch everything, which is, you know, they need to. They need to build up their immune system. But yeah, it's pretty grim. Well, and I think that that kind of like lends us nicely. I mean, I, I feel like we're, we kind of 
dealt with this topic. I mean, we can dig, dig deeper into it, but I think that that leads us to another conversation that's very interesting right now that I'm, you know, you're, you're kind of backed up against it right now. Like what happens when you are out of sick days or out of vacation time or whatever, and your kid gets sick? Because there's definitely less leeway for having a sick kid at school. Like kids can't have that lingering cough anymore or a cold is terrifying. And then what do you do? Like, how do you work with having children right now? Yeah. And I mean, obviously the background of that is that women do 70% of the global unpaid care work and women are more likely to adjust their schedules and make compromises when it comes to childcare than men are. I mean, this is, these are statistics that are from pre-COVID yeah. and, and I'm, and I'm sharing those because we know that they've gotten worse, but even before the inequality that COVID sort of wreaked on everyone, women were 10 times mm. more likely to stay home with the sick kids. And women yeah. were five more, five times more likely to take sick kids to the doctor. So there was already that. And then the ass fell out of the world. And everybody got sick. And all the working mamas, because moms work no matter what, whether they work inside the home or inside and outside the home, they're the ones holding the entire family together. 100%. I mean, even as we record, I'm going back and forth with my husband right now about what to tell a school nurse because they might not let the kids come back to school even though they've had multiple tests showing that they're negative because I am still testing positive even though I'm symptom-free, followed the CDC guidelines, but it looks like we're not going to be able to send them back to school, which I mean, on one hand, I completely understand, but at the same time, followed all CDC protocols. The kids have tested negative. I'm KN95 masking 24-7 in the house. Um, wow. Thankfully, I have an awesome mask that fits me well. I have a kids KN95 and fits me perfectly. So it's not terrible. So kiddy. Um, but I'm probably gonna have the, you know, I'm probably gonna have the kids with me at home all week, which is a bummer because I would like for them to go to school, but I can completely understand why the school wouldn't want them there. We have followed the protocols and they have tested negative multiple times. PCR is not just rapids. So yeah. crazy. It is crazy. I mean, they probably had COVID a few times over and we just didn't know. Who knows? Mm. Oh, I don't know. I, I just think what we're looking at is, although the, 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 the statistics are there for people to see, you know, we know that nearly one in 10 women have reported quitting their job for a reason related to COVID and younger black or Hispanic um, women, those, those numbers are much, much higher. And I don't know how, I don't know how women are doing it. I don't know how women are working from home full time with the little kids at home. Like it's gotta be, I mean, how do you do it? You tell me, how are you doing it? Me? I'm not. You? No. But yeah, you are. I mean, um, he's been out, he's been out quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not been, look, I think I've got a little bit of a different situation in that I, I genuinely have no fucks left to give, you know, I, I have my foot down as far as if anybody crosses the boundaries of what I'm trying to maintain between my personal life and my career. I really don't, I'm not going to hold back on, on the fact that it's unfair and it's not what was, what was promised to me at, at hiring stage, you know? If, if I did that like 10 years ago, if we were having this conversation 10 years ago, or to be fair, even like two, three years ago, mm -hmm. I'd really, I'd care a lot more and I'd be a lot more fearful because yeah. my boundaries weren't clear to myself. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't make them clear to anybody else. I kind of felt like I owed my workplace my everything. And the time that I had oh, with yeah. my family was a bonus. Yes. Like I hadn't mm -hmm. earned that. 
Like, it wasn't due to me, you know? And I I think the time that I took off, definitely for my mental health, because I was very much riding a line of just constant emotional upheaval every day and and just not being balanced at all and not in a safe, healthy place for myself or my son or my partner or family in general. Like, I had to take that break, and it was a real reset of... I, I can't let myself get that bad again. But that also was because I was, I'm fortunate enough to be able to regularly go to therapy. Yeah. Would I have taken the time off potentially if I, ha- if I didn't have regular therapy, would I still be feeling guilty about not working? Probably. Yeah. Cause there's a real guilt there, you know, especially if you like Jenny and I have worked from like mm-hmm. a really young age. Yeah. You know, we got our first yeah. job. So young we were- teenage. 15 the second we could get a job we were told we had to have a job yeah and then I moved out at 17 Jenny moved out at 17 we supported ourselves we tried to figure our lives out as early as we could I mean for a number of reasons and not all of them healthy but I don't know when you get in that grind mindset that's really debilitating especially as you and having worked in like large corporations and large metropolitan settings i think that there is like grind that grind mindset is you you live to work you don't yeah. work like so why live. else are you here like you're here to yeah. work so work all fucking day work yeah, all when day I lived in new york, work all night when i lived in new york we would get up early my partner my husband now we get up early we'd go into work early we'd stay super late and then have dinner at like 10 Mm. Like have a lovely dinner out at 10 ish after Jenny, work and then like so go back gross. and do it again. No, I know, but, but I loved it. Mm. I'm exhausted I just listening. I, know. I was a cog in the wheel of, a, of the machine that devalued women mm. within the corporate world. It is completely normalized to devalue women of a certain age and those that have familial obligations or caregiving obligations in any way look i think i think that there's a lot of rules about which women you can and can't devalue i think most women in general can be devalued particularly women who are young young women are devalued as having no experience and then if you get a little bit older and you start to be a little bit more dominant then you get told that you're sticking your neck out and being too bullshit and being too dominant and all that stuff, get back in your box and you get devalued there as a bitch or whatever. And then if you go and have kids, if you choose to have children, then you get devalued for the responsibilities that you have as a parent. And then if you get too old, right? So if yeah, you get when you have a certain age. Yeah, yeah. Then you don't have value either because you're an old, you know, a stick in the mud, again, a bitch, you know, have a bad attitude or, you know, old fashioned, set yeah. her ways, unable to learn, no leader, no like growth. Don't potential. make her angry. Don't make her angry. Like that whole thing. Oh There's yeah, a she's a curmudgeon. Thing. Are we noticing a pattern here that like we'll take any men and women alike will take any opportunity they get to devalue women in the workplace well yeah and we know that we've talked about managerial um perceptions of of women in senior management positions if they talk too much they're considered to be a bad i I just think that in the corporate world as in the regular outside world once you notice how things are stacked against women and how women are picked apart how girls are picked apart, how the things that teenage, I mean, it starts from such a young age, you know, like you run like a girl and 
girls only care about silly stuff like pink sparkly stuff and ponies and then teenage girls ew they're the silliest but actually teenage girls are fucking awesome and they dictate fashion and music and so much because they control a huge amount of money and a huge amount of of revenue with what they like and what they feed into and then you turn into you know you're a 20 year old and you're you're either sex on legs or you're too fat to fuck right also i think there's this constant feed of like we and don't get me wrong we were raised on disney stuff and i love a good fairy tale i think they're fantastic but we teach girls from such a young age that their attractiveness effectively their fuckability is what dictates their worth then you re- you realize that in your 30s if you're lucky and in your 40s and 50s if you know just as the cookie crumbles that fuckability is like absolutely the most boring part about you if that were true though if we do realize that then, you know, obviously, like, the Kardashians and the Real Housewives wouldn't be a thing. They make money. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it feeds into that patriarchal thing. But I do want to say, like, what you were saying about the Disney, like, if you think back to Beauty and the Beast, you have to be fuckable in the right way, right? Because, like, there were were those triplets, but they're the wrong kind of attractive. Like, they are... They are money. seedy and stupid, and like yeah. obviously Gaston would want them. So, yeah. like in all of these movies, there's also like the cautionary tale of like don't become this, and usually it's like don't become an old crow. You have to be a woman of morals, or like I don't know. Belle like to read, I guess. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. All I'm saying is that with nestled within these seemingly innocuous fairy tales, we realize that they're, they're as innocuous as they seem, right? But yeah, nestled within these fairy tales there's also other archetypes of like the women not to become that fine mesh that we have to run ourselves through to qualify for existence like an existence of work the mesh gets finer and finer to the point where we can't pour ourselves through it anymore and we're just stuck in shame yeah. of who we are when no one is the same cookie cutter as women like there are so many rules and so many specifications of who we have to be to be of worth whether it's to be acceptable as a woman as a mother as a sister the reason that we started this podcast is not, and the reason that we have these conversations, like I feel like we always kind of get to a point in a lot of these episodes, we don't have these conversations to make you feel hopeless. We don't have these conversations to like take hope away or like shine a light to make things, everything dark and ugly, but just to like acknowledge the fact that these things are real. There are true impediments to women's success and happiness and i think the longer the more time and more effort that we take as far as shining a light on these things and dispelling them as like completely antiquated bullshit notions like a woman is not worth less in the corporate environment if she's strong and tenacious and driven and outspoken that's the same characteristics that that elevate men to leadership positions and for Mm. some women that works for a lot of women it doesn't statistically we know this and then also like Adhering to social norms and standards does not ensure that you have a ticket to success or happiness. In fact, it's when we stray from the path that have been set before us by the patriarchal structure and this misogynistic paradigm, when we stray from that and find what is our true calling and what is our truth and the things and and figure out what we can and can't accept from the society, throw everything else out and start over. Like start over in a new way of looking at things, just knowing that the truth is that no matter what, you're gonna be doing it wrong. If you're looking to outside influences to help you calibrate your worth, your worth has to come from inside. Your self-care has to come from inside. Your strength has to come from inside or 
you know, if you had a good therapist like Lisa, you're fucking stoked. But all of these systems are built to empower and further white men who have been in power since the dawn of time. And those systems do not work for women or marginalized communities. And we're butting up against that now, which is why faced with a pandemic, we have gotten to a place where like no one can stand to go to work anymore. And if you're in a job that you love and like you're thriving, good for you. Stay there. But there's a lot of us who can no longer, who no longer feel comfortable with the discomfort of the capitalistic, patriarchal, misogynistic culture that has that we've all been entrenched in for so long. Yes, and heteropatriarchal as well, right? I mean, it's yes, just, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. And I think one of the things that we try and do, like on our TikToks and on our pay, like our Instagram page and Facebook page, and we're trying to revive our Twitter account as well is just to obviously we talk about the corporate world but we also want to talk about stuff that is directly addressing the patriarchal vein that runs through daily life so i made a a tiktok it talks about how when people ask me how to pronounce my last name my knee-jerk reaction is to want to say to them look because of this patriarchal passing down of paternal surnames only we've really lost a huge chunk of our historical maternal ancestry Mm. We've, we've lost that connection so i don't really want to tell you what my last name is because i don't think that my last name defines who I am or should tell you anything about me other than it tells you about my father's family. But Mm. do you want to know about my mother's family? Do you want to know about her mother's family? Do you want to know about her mother's mother? And how far back can we go and what will we know about her? I mean, we know that even though women have statistically made up 50% of the population forever, Mm. we are only part of 0.5% of recorded history. That's so like we've lost so much of our historical ancestral connections to the maternal Mm -hmm. to the women that lived and built so much of the history that we rely on. And women have just been erased from that. So I think the more that we think about it, the more we want other women to think about it, other people to think about it, just to think about the things that are being erased in plain sight, the histories we've lost. To be honest, being able to trace your ancestry is a privilege because any person who has ancestors who were enslaved, you can't trace them to a certain point you can, and then they disappear in in the historical logbooks that treated them as property. So I recognize that the ancestral tracing as an experience as a journey is something that that has a great deal of privilege with it anyway. But 100%. I just think when you start to see the veins of that, the patriarchy runs in through our daily lives, like you don't have to ignore it. It doesn't have to make you heavy. Like it doesn't have to bog you down, but just that I see that, you know, I see those things. I see this pattern. I'm not going to be mean about this girl because she's 20 and she's wearing a short skirt because she wants to, and she likes it. And that's okay. And I'm not going to show my son movies or TV shows that show women in a degrading way. You know, Beauty and the Beast, that's an excellent example, Jenny. Like, Mm -hmm. those three girls. Like, you knew something was wrong with them, but why? Like, their titties were out? Oh, okay. So you learn something unconsciously, subconsciously. You learn something about those girls. They're not like Belle. Belle stays covered up. Belle's the right choice. 
we're always like, there's these micro lessons in every little bit of life. And I know that that's such a massive understatement. Obviously, there's all these micro lessons in life. But we just, as parents, as women, just in general, opening your eyes and recognizing what's there, that doesn't that doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you a drag. It doesn't make you negative. But if people are reacting when you're trying to talk to them about those things, they're acting like it's a drag and it's negative. And why do you think you like a chip on your shoulder and all that stuff? That says so much more about mm-hmm. them than it does about you. And it's also, at least I love everything you just said. And I think that when, you know, the thing that we learn from Belle and those women is that, like, if you are curvaceous, you are bad. Like, don't um, show your titties. Which, that's a whole, but like, why can't like, you show your titties? When you have it, when you, first of all, like, Lisa and I like to show a little bit of tits and ass. <laughs> Every I mean, once in a while. Why, why not? Does it, yeah. Shake it, girl. But also, Shake. like... If shake, you shake. have boobs and an ass, there are times when you can't help it. Like, you can't help no. but show it because it's out. No. We've spent so much of our lives, let's say three quarters of our lives, being embarrassed about our bodies oh, and apologetic. This is very light. Apologetic. Ashamed. ashamed. Yeah. There's so much about a woman's body that holds shame, you know? And, like, what yeah. about a man holds, like, if he doesn't have enough muscles? I guess that, that's shaming. But then you still get, like, oh, a dad bod. That's cool. Like, oh, he's, he's like, skinny and emo and it's totally fine. Or he's an athlete and he's built and he's this and that. You can be, as a man, you can be so many different ways. And there will be some yeah. kind of, like, niche, scene hipster fucking name for it. But as a woman, yeah. it's, like, you're either a size zero or you're fat. And fat is wrong. Fat is bad. You know, that's what we get taught. There is the toxic masculinity push towards men being large and muscular and all that stuff. But that's, that's put on men by other men. Like not, that's not, that's not women putting that on men. No, no. But also, do you remember when the dad bod thing happened? It was like, well, what about the mom bod? Like, why can't that be cool? Why can't it be cool to have like a, a massive fucking stretch mark all down your side looking like fucking tiger ripped your tummy up and then having another huge scar that hangs out at the bottom of your bikini bottoms because your baby had to be taken out the sunroof instead of out the toots you know that's never cool right like no one no women, I, you have to yeah. bounce back you gotta yeah. bounce back and i went i went away for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks in october and my partner's friend brought his girlfriend quite a new girlfriend and she said to me your body looks really good for having had a kid and that was supposed to make me feel super good right right and I was like but my body just looks good period like I'm strong I can climb up several flights of stairs holding my heavy ass boy I'm strong and that's what's important you know but for her, yeah. she was giving me like a, like she really thought she was giving me a compliment. Also, like how sad for her that that's so deeply ingrained in her that she doesn't thought enough to be like, that's a fucked up thing to say. Yeah, because she doesn't think it is. Because she, in her mind, I'm assuming she's childless at this point. She is. In her mind. And can I just say, she's, that she's child- childless and, and her body is amazing. <laughs> From like a Hollywood standard kind of a thing, you know, because yeah. she's not had children, but also because she just but has a specific having... frame and body that is what fits into the accepted social paradigm of what makes you fuckable. Well, also, I'm just saying like how sad for her that, that she equates child birth 
and child rearing to ruining your body, ruining your body, which is what it's funny that that's what the media portrays. And then, you know, but they also on the flip side of the same coin, they say like, oh, she bounced back after six weeks, like a healthy woman does. Or like when we know that you're that's more normal. (laughs) And even within six years, it's hard, man. It takes 18 months for you to heal from a C-section. It takes a year for your skeleton to go back to normal-ish. Because everything's messed up. Everything's still inflamed at that point. Yeah, you got loosey-goosey muscles and bones. Everything. Everything. And then depending on how long you breastfeed for, you still have all those hormones in your body. Whatever. That's another episode. But I think we we covered something today. I mean, what do you even sure call this episode? The hamster wheel. <laughs> COVID goulash. Yeah, the hamster wheel. Call it whatever. It's not. Uh, we'll have to figure out what to call uh, this. Hey, one thing I not. was going to say, one thing I was going to say was if you have TikTok as an app, check out the latest TikToks because I am wearing some of our gear in there. Oh. Some of our gear. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, merchandise coming soon. Merchurina. Merchandise, book, website, all the things are coming soon if COVID will ever end. Oh, oh by the way, I had, I just recovered from, I'm still testing positive, so I still have COVID. I'm KN95ing in my house all the time. We already talked about that. But I just want to say, I know that a lot of folks have COVID fatigue. But I just, I had one stupid night where I made two decisions that I would not have normally made. I was speaking with someone at a desk and they took their mask off and I stayed talking to them. Oh, yeah. And then when I went out to dinner with a girlfriend, she suggested we sit inside rather than outside because it was too cold. Two things that even a week prior I wouldn't have done. But I was tired. Anyway, I was exposed on a Friday on Sunday my eyes started swelling up and by Wednesday I was like face down in my bed and I had every one of the symptoms and it was really terrible and I am vaccinated. I'm not boosted. My boost appointment, my booster appointment was on Friday of the last week. And unfortunately I just hadn't had the opportunity to do it until that point. And so I just want to say, I know that we're all COVID fatigued, but just stay vigilant, stay safe. Wear a fucking it's, mask, you dickhead. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucked up. I fucked up. And now I have to wear a mask all the time. Anyway, that's my that's my COVID disclaimer. No. Wear a mask, you dickhead. Wear dickhead. a mask, wash your hands, dickhead. Get boosted, yeah. get vaccinated, do all the things. Not to end on a sad note. Do you have hey, what what's something good that you've listened to or read or <gasps> Oh, I love that. Week. We should totally do this for every episode. Ooh, an uplifting We are starting now. now. Right. So I just have to say, and Jenny, I know you started watching this show, but you mm. didn't ever finish it. But Yes, I did. I finished. The, the Good Place? Oh, no. What, what did you think? <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say High on the Hog. Oh, my God. That show's so fucking good. It's so good. If it's you the, like food or barbecue. And history. Or care at all about the roots of... Southern cuisine. Southern cuisine, it is a phenomenal. But sorry, I don't want to hijack your... No, but that, but High on the Hog is amazing because it talks about the real connections of West Africa and other African nations on the, on Southern cuisine and that those links are so 
visceral and so beautiful and so painful to watch. Yeah. But so the stories that are told are so beautiful. The people you meet are so incredible and it's just poignant and moving and like, I don't eat meat, but I could still watch the whole thing, you know, because mm. the the stories matter. Those those yeah. cuisines, those stories behind them, the people behind them, they matter, yeah. you know. Yeah. Fuck. So good. High on the hog. So, so good. good. So good. I was gonna they're, say they're doing a second season. I heard. Anyway, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Shut the good the place. Front door. That's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Um. The good place. Right. So the first the first seasons can be hard to get into. I totally appreciate that. But what I would say is that the final season of The Good Place is something that I watch repeatedly. So series four Aww. of The Good Place, I watch repeatedly because the philosophical ideas of loving others, of kindness, of giving people a second chance, of, mm. of being just genuinely being kind to yourself and the ideas around death and how to look at life and spirituality are just so powerful and so moving i i love that show that's all i wanted to say that's awesome what do you um i'm gonna say a couple things if you have not watched season six of queer eye it is unbelievable i solved my way through the season a couple times yeah 100 percent And there's some folks that were in really tough spots. And I think that no matter who you are or where you are in your journey, I think that there will be someone that you can relate to on some level. And just, I think it goes back to what you're saying too, Lisa. I think that, you know, the guys, they, uh, they're all so neat and genuine and so authentically themselves. And Mm. they're just the antithesis of toxic masculinity and they put themselves into some really tough situations and they handle it so graciously. So um, graciously. Like so Jonathan good. handled some folks with mm. such grace and compassion. A hundred percent. That I don't know. It just, it just, it's, it's a ama- It's an amazing series. And if you haven't watched it, I would definitely, I mean, start at season one with, I think it's um, a guy with the cars. Is yeah, that season one, the guy that likes the old cars? You can't host, fix ugly. Oh, that one was so sad. I think they start with you can't fix ugly. It always brings me back to hose before bros, and I really, oh. you know. Um, I don't remember. Which one is that? The stupid firehouse. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, I did, they had I th- fun. I think they enjoyed themselves. They really enjoyed themselves. (laughs) And I would say that of all of... Okay, and I really loved when they went to Japan, by the way. Did you see the Japan series? You talk about... say, like, don't start with Japan because Japan was heavy. It is heavy, but it's talking about cultural norms that are so... Some of them are so oppressive and toxic. And I I think that for 100% America... The UK, like so many countries have oppressive, toxic cultural norms. It was just so enlightening to see the way that men and women, just people were expected to behave. It was so strict and so, it just, it hurt. I loved those ones because the changes were, again, so visceral and so beautiful but I think that season six definitely is my favorite because I I just loved so many of um so many of the episodes but I agree with that let's wrap it up check out Lisa's TikToks with our merch 
Coming yeah. to uh, TikTok is Dear Patriarchy Pod. Instagram and Facebook, Dear Patriarchy Pod. Twitter, Patriarchy underscore pod. Website coming soon. Please email us at patriarchypod at gmail.com. And as always, love, love light. light, and good night.